0: Well, hello again. Welcome back. It's the Boring Bill podcast. My name is Boring Bill. Um, I hope that uh, some of you will at least be impressed that the difference between the uh, episodes, the podcast, the edition of the podcasts um, between this edition twenty-five and the previous edition discussing general election results issue twenty. Four is a period of around a week, rather than a period of around one and a half years. So you've got to admit that at least the frequency between these two particular episodes has increased somewhat dramatically. Um, again, I'm not going to make any foolish promises, as we have done previously, and apologise for those unreservedly, unreservedly, that um, that we're going to be able to increase the frequency. Uh, I hope very much that it's not a situation of having a short period of intense frequency and then a period of no frequency at all, but, uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to make any promises either way, so, so here we are. You may have been used to, perhaps, if you do use the Boring Bill podcast to try and get to sleep, you may be used to, um, Perhaps, you know, using the same edition several times. I mean, if you've been using the previous edition enough, you've been using it several hundred times. I don't know that's the case, but then hopefully for everybody, um, it's not a situation of uh, not being able to sleep at all, ever. Still, uh, all solder on with the today's episode. As an interesting side note, anyway, we have a stereo microphone that has kind of two separate microphones, but, um, for some reason, it's only recording in mono, which is which is odd. Obviously, the the mono stream from the microphone is going to be you know shown on the left and right side of your headphones. I I would hope, but uh, unfortunately, we're not getting a uh, a stereo feed from the uh, from the microphone. Not that you really get that. You'd only notice that if I went to one side or the other of the microphone, and and I'm not doing that currently. So consequently, this is uh, this is what we have here. Um, I'm not going to go in, uh, in, into such great lengths as, um, as I did previously. But, uh, today's, <coughs> excuse me, today's, um, edition of the Boing Book Podcast is going to discuss a, a small, um, element of microeconomics, um, the isoquant, which is a, which is a graphical thing we all uh, discuss it um later and i'll be using the uh the wikipedia entry on ice quants to to read that to you and and then we'll go from there maybe discussing a few other future uh, basic elements of um intermediate macroeconomics um but thank you very much to those who've stuck with us anyway um i hope you enjoyed the previous podcast um i really do encourage um contacting the Boring Bill podcast via email at boringbillpodcast at gmail.com or alternatively boringbillpodcast at uh, at, at googlemail.com. It's the same domain, both domains work. And, and also with the Gmail email platform, you can also insert numerous dots in uh, into the name and it'll still send to the original. So you could send the email to boringbill.podcast at gmail.com or b oringbill.podcast@gmail.com uh, or, or whatever you like. So perhaps um trust the Google email platform. And, and next time you email the show with a suggestion or a comment or anything like at all, Um perhaps insert a few dots here and there. Although I wouldn't ser- insert dots in succession to each other because I'm not sure whether that works. But uh, certainly whether it is either side of the dots, that's that's fine. But I, I deviate. I digress from from the question in hand here. Isoquant. Now let's see what Wikipedia, which isn't always the most accurate source for anything at all, but we'll read this anyway and and hopefully you'll find it interesting. Isoquant. In economics, an Isoquant, derived from the quantity in the Greek word iso meaning equal, is a contour line drawn through the set of points which at the same quantity of output is produced while changing the quantities of two or more outputs, while an indifference curve helps to answer the utility maximizing problem of consumers, the isoquant deals with the cost minimization problem of producers. Isoquants are typically, typically drawn on capital labour graphs showing the trade-off between capital and labour in the production function and the decreasing marginal returns of both outputs. Adding one input while holding the other constant eventually leads to decreasing marginal output, and this is reflected in the shape of the isoquant. A family of isoquants can be represented by an isoquant map, a graph combining a number of isoquants, each representing a different quantity of output. An isoquant shows that the firm in question has the ability to substitute between the two different uh, inputs, at will, in order to produce the same level of output. An Isoquant map can also indicate decreasing or increasing returns to scale based on an increasing or decreasing distances between the Isoquants on the map as you increase output. If the distance between the Isoquants increases as output increases, the firm's production function is exhibiting decreasing returns to scale. Doubling both inputs will result in placement of an Isoquant with less than double the output of the previous Isoquant. Conversely. If the distance is increasing, as output increases, the firm is experiencing increasing returns to scale. Doubling both inputs results in placement on an isoquant with more than twice the output of the original isoquant. As with indifference curves, two isoquants can never cross. Also, every possible combination of inputs is on an isoquant. Finally, the combination of inputs above or to the right of an isoquant results in more input than any point on the isoquant. Although the marginal product of an input decreases as you increase the quantity of an input while holding all other inputs constant, the marginal product is never negative, since a rational firm would never increase an input to decrease output. In terms of the shapes of an isoquant, if the two inputs are perfect substitutes, the resulting isoquad map is generated, represented in a figure that's shown on the Wikipedia page. If you do look it up on the Wikipedia page, it'll be figure A. With a given level of production, Q3, input X is effortlessly replaced by input Y in the production function. The perfect substitutes do not experience decreasing marginal rates of return when they are substituted for each other in the production function. If the two inputs are perfect complements, the isoquant map takes the form of figure B with a level of production Q3, input X and input Y can only be combined efficiently in a certain ratio represented by the kink in the isoquant. The firm will combine the two inputs in the required ratio to maximize output and minimize cost. If the firm is not producing at this ratio, there is no rate of return for increasing the input that is already in excess. Isoquants are typically combined the Isocost lines in order to provide a cost minimization, production optimization problem. A highly interesting Isoquants and the difference to, uh, to indifference curves. Indifference curves are obviously a, a whole different... Uh, a whole different kettle of fish. Um, I will briefly, briefly touch on indifference curves. And in macroeconomic theory, an indifference curve is a graph showing different bundles of goods, each measured as to quantity, between which a consumer is indifferent. Um, that is, at each point on the curve, the consumer has no preference for one bundle over another. In other words, they are equally preferred. One can Refer to each point on the indifference curve as um, rendering the same level of utility or satisfaction for the customer. Utility is then a device to represent preferences rather than something for the preference which the preferences come. The main use of indifference curves is the representation of potentially observable demand patterns for individual consumers over commodity bundles. Um, these these graphs have certain properties points yielding different utility levels are associated with distinct indifference curves an indifference curve describes a set of personal preferences um, and so can vary from person to person an indifference curve is like a contour line on a topographical map each point on the map represents the same elevation if you move off an indifference curve traveling in a northeast direction you're essentially climbing a mound of utility the higher you go the greater level of utility the non-satiation requirement means you will never reach the top. Indifference curves are to be represented to be defined only in the positive, uh, a quadrant of commodity-bundle quantities. Um, negatively sloped, that is, as the quantity consumed of one good increases, total satisfaction would increase if not upset, offset by a decrease in quantity consumed by another good. Um, equivocally, association such that more of one good or both is equally preferred, no increase is excluded. Uh, The negative slope of the indifference curve reflects the law of diminishing marginal utility. That is, as more of a good is consumed, total utility increases at a decreasing rate. Additions to utility uh, per unit consumption are successively smaller. Thus, as you move the Down the indifference curve you are trading consumption of units of Y for additional units of X and the price of the unit of X in terms of Y increases. The the curves also have to be complete such that all points on the indifference curves are ranked equally preferred and ranked either more or less preferred than every other point on the curve uh, so that no two curves can intersect otherwise non-association would be violated. They have to be transitive with respect to the points on distant distinct indifference curves, that is, if each point is strictly preferred to another point, and then each point, um, at a further point is preferred to another point, each point then is obviously preferred on the first point. A negative slope and transitivity excluding indifference curves crossing, since straight lines from the origin on both sides of where they cross would give opposite and intransitive preference rankings, and of course they have to be strictly convex. With convex preferences implies a, a bulge towards the origin of a difference curve. As the consumer decreases consumption of one good in successive units, successively larger doses of the other good are required to keep satisfaction unchanged. Um, obviously, with these sort of things, as there are, almost every element of macro and indeed microeconomics, there is an assumption um, of rationality of the consumer that they will always choose. Rational, they always make rational decisions when they're presented with several bunch of choices, and uh, there's a continuity. I mean, you can consume any amount of a good, there isn't a limit or anything like that. When you're kind of applying those things, you're getting into you know, far more um, detailed elements of uh, microeconomic theory. Um, I think economic theory is uh, fascinating both micro and macro and in future editions maybe we will discuss some basic macroeconomic theory but we're currently describing at the moment basic microeconomic theory obviously don't use these podcasts in any way to learn about economics but more as a thing to listen to that you may find boring and consequently the the aim of the podcast is uh, eventually achieved uh, I'm afraid I I can't go into much more details today or a particularly long podcast. I'll try to make the next podcast um, longer, make a conscious effort to do so. But for now, uh, I'm going to have to leave it there. Please do email. It is fantastic. and The podcast receives emails. It spurs us to go on more than anything else, and I'm sure that we would not have made a 2009 return, uh, an actual return rather than the false promises. Um, of the return in, in 2008 um, so do email us um, and you can donate to the podcast as well also through the website which is boringbill.blogspot.com. feel under no pressure to at all um, but if you do if you make a suggestion of the podcast I can assure you that it will be rushed straight to the queue however again uh, I don't want to um, number on that point too much um, yeah, the email address is uh, um, boringbillpodcast at gmail.com, or alternatively, podcast at googlemail.com. Um, the feed is uh, feeds.feedbanner.com forward slash boringbill. Although, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you know the feed address or we've already found a way to subscribe it. You can subscribe to us via iTunes and many other sites on the internet. You can also comment on the blog page and send emails directly to me. Um, I'm going to leave it there today, hopefully you enjoyed that, and uh, if you are trying to get to sleep, hopefully that, that did the trick, obviously summer can be a particularly hot time of year when this is being released, and although, although it depends on where you are in the world, obviously, if you're in the southern hemisphere it's not so much going to be an issue, because it'll be winter, not summer, um, but if you're in the northern hemisphere it can sometimes be sticky and difficult to sleep, particularly if you're in the United Kingdom where air conditioning is not a, uh, a cultural, uh, Common aspect to uh, uh, any ha- any given household setup, and thus, obviously, hot nights, which obviously can be few and far between, given the irregularity of the climate in the United Kingdom, particularly in summer. But if you are in a case where this podcast happens to go out on a date where it's a particularly hot night, and you're finding it difficult to sleep, and in listening to this basic information on intermediate or indeed basic macroeconomic, microeconomic, apologies, theory. If that has helped you get into a slightly dreary state and you can drop off, then um, all all the best, and I'm very glad of it. Um, And if you're only halfway there, then perhaps put this podcast on repeat and maybe you'll uh, remember a bit more about isoquant and and indifference curves, which are very similar graphs that are used to describe two different aspects of microeconomic theory. But I must definitely leave it there. See you next time. Thank you very much for listening to the Boring Bill podcast, and, and have a good evening.